Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight Podcast for the November 2023 issue of the journal Chast. We have a great lineup of diverse content in this month's issue. Over the next 15 minutes or so, I'll provide a brief overview of key manuscripts published in each of our content areas. We'll start with our asthma content area. Studies examining agreement between home and clinic spirometry in patients with asthma have had conflicting results. In this issue, Oppenheimer and colleagues report findings of a post hoc analysis of two prior randomized controlled treatment trials in patients with uncontrolled asthma in which trough FEV1 measurements were collected via home spirometry and supervised in-person spirometry to determine how well home and clinic measurements of trough FEV1 agree in patients with uncontrolled asthma. Data from 2,436 and 421 patients enrolled in those trials were analyzed. Improvements in FEV1 were of lower magnitude and less consistent when measured by home spirometry. There was poor agreement between home and clinic trough FEV1 at baseline and week 24. These results suggest that unsupervised home FEV1 readings are not interchangeable with clinic measurements. Next is our chest infections content area. Microbiological outcomes of treatment of mycobacterium avium complex are often used as the primary endpoint of antimicrobial treatment, but their long-term impact on prognosis is uncertain. In this issue, Kim and colleagues report findings from a retrospective evaluation of adult patients treated for mycobacterium avium complex designed to determine if patients who achieve microbiological cure at the end of treatment have longer survival than those who do not. 236 of 382 patients achieved microbiological cure at the completion of treatment. Microbiological cure was significantly associated with reduced mortality after adjustment for major clinical factors with an adjusted hazard ratio of 0.52. These results suggest that microbiological cure at completion of treatment of mycobacterium avium complex pulmonary disease is associated with longer survival. Also in this section are original research articles that include a case series of patients with pulmonary mucormycosis, a systematic review and meta-analysis of risk factors for non-tuberculous mycobacterial pulmonary disease, and a living systematic review and network meta-analysis of conservative and surgical modalities in the management of pediatric paraneumonic effusion and empyema. On to our COPD content area. 
Identifying individuals at risk of progressing to COPD may allow for initiation of treatment to slow the progression. In this issue, Makimoto and colleagues evaluated whether the addition of CT imaging features, texture-based radiomic features, and established quantitative CT scan features to conventional risk factors improves the performance for predicting progression to COPD. 294 at-risk participants were evaluated, 52, or around 24%, in the training data set, and 17, around 23%, in the testing data set, progressed to spirometric COPD at follow-up. Compared with demographics alone, the addition of CT imaging features, or CT imaging features and spirometry, significantly improved the performance for predicting progression to COPD. These results suggest that the quantification of structural changes on CT imaging improves the ability to predict progression to COPD when compared to conventional risk factors alone. Completing this section is a chest review of quantitative CT airway imaging for diagnosis and management of lung disease and the 2023 Canadian Thoracic Society Guideline on Pharmacotherapy in Patients with Stable COPD. Next is our critical care content area. Persistent inflammation, immunosuppression, and catabolism syndrome, or PICS, is linked to delayed mortality in sepsis. Limited information is available on PICS in pediatric patients with sepsis. In this issue, Patterson and colleagues report findings from a retrospective study of pediatric patients who died of culture-positive sepsis to determine the prevalence and characteristics of pediatric PICs in patients who died of sepsis-related causes. Of 557 patients with culture-positive sepsis, 262, or 47%, had pediatric PICs. Those with pediatric PICs were more likely to have underlying hematologic, oncologic, or cardiac disease and increased odds of associated fungal infections. Having a sustained absolute lymphocyte count less than 1,000 was most closely associated with having pediatric PICs compared to other laboratory parameters. These findings show the high prevalence of pediatric PICs in pediatric patients who die of a sepsis-related cause and focus attention on those in cardiac ICUs and with associated fungal infections. Also in this section is a scoping review on liberation from venovenous extracorporeal membrane oxygenation for respiratory failure, a research letter that explores variation in arterial pressure response to increased norepinephrine by baseline dose in patients with septic shock, and a chest review on optimizing vasopressin use and initiation timing in septic shock. On to our diffuse lung disease content area. Obstructive sleep apnea and nocturnal hypoxemia are common in patients with fibrotic interstitial lung disease, but their relationship with disease outcomes is unclear. In this issue, Mayal and colleagues 
report findings of a prospective observational cohort study of patients with fibrotic interstitial lung disease without daytime hypoxemia designed to determine the relationship between nocturnal hypoxemia, obstructive sleep apnea, and clinical outcomes. 20 of 102 patients showed prolonged nocturnal hypoxemia, and 32 showed obstructive sleep apnea. Nocturnal hypoxemia was associated with a more rapid decline in both quality of life and higher all-cause mortality at one year. There was no significant difference in annualized change in measures of pulmonary function testing. These results suggest that nocturnal hypoxemia, but not obstructive sleep apnea, is associated with worsening disease-related quality of life and increased mortality in patients with fibrotic interstitial lung disease. Also in this section, is an original research article evaluating high-definition video bronchoscopy for the diagnosis of airway involvement in sarcoidosis, and a research letter that reports on screening for exposure to beryllium among U.S. veterans with a diagnosis of sarcoidosis. On to our education and clinical practice content area. The Association of Preserved Ratio Impaired Spirometry, or PRISM, with new-onset macrovascular and microvascular complications, as well as mortality, among individuals with type 2 diabetes remains unknown. In this issue, Lee and colleagues report findings from over 20,000 participants in the UK Biobank cohort who had type 2 diabetes and complete spirometry data, to determine if PRISM is a predictor of poor prognosis. 4,521, around 23% of participants, had PRISM at baseline. Over a median follow-up of nearly 12 years, patients with type 2 diabetes and PRISM at baseline had higher risks of type 2 diabetes complications and mortality, such as a hazard ratio of 1.4 for stroke, 1.4 for ischemic stroke, 1.3 for myocardial infarction, 1.4 for diabetic kidney disease, 1.3 for all-cause mortality, and 1.6 for cardiovascular and respiratory mortality. Adding PRISM to an office-based risk score improved its accuracy. These results show that patients with type 2 diabetes and PRISM have increased risks for macrovascular and microvascular complications, as well as mortality, compared to those with normal spirometry. Also in this section is an original research article reporting symptom duration, recurrence, and long-term effects of swimming-induced pulmonary edema, a research letter on the diagnostic impact of a race-composite PFT interpretation strategy, and a special features article on methodologic issues specific to prediction model development and evaluation. Our pulmonary vascular content area this month contains a research letter on predictors of thrombus resolution among patients on anticoagulation for a right heart thrombus. And our sleep medicine content area contains a research letter on the association of the nocturnal blood pressure profile on the CPAP effect on blood pressure 
in patients with obstructive sleep apnea and resistant hypertension. Next is our thoracic oncology content areas. Many lung nodule risk prediction models have been developed in populations with lower cancer prevalence than is seen in specialty clinics and are limited when there are missing data elements. In this issue, Godfrey and colleagues update a previously developed risk prediction model, the Thoracic Research Evaluation and Treatment, or TREAT model, into a more generalized approach for specialty evaluation. 1,401 patients with indeterminate pulmonary nodules were divided into groups by clinical setting. Those from a pulmonary nodule clinic with a lung cancer prevalence of 42%, those from an outpatient thoracic surgery clinic with a lung cancer prevalence of 73%, and those from an inpatient surgical resection series with a lung cancer prevalence of 90%. Two-thirds of patients had missing data with nodule growth and FDG PET scan avidity missing most frequently. The model developed had an area under the curve across missingness patterns of 0.85 compared to 0.8 for the original treat model, 0.73 for the herder model, 0.72 for the male model, and 0.69 for the Brock model. The bias corrected net reclassification index was 0.23. These results suggest that the TREAT 2.0 model is more accurate and better calibrated for predicting lung cancer in high-risk indeterminate pulmonary nodules seen in specialty nodule evaluation clinics. Completing this section are two original research articles. The first, exploring the accuracy of exhaled breath analysis with an electronic nose to detect early lung cancer in people with COPD and the second, a pragmatic clinical trial of an electronic health record integrated everyday shared decision-making tool and clinician-facing prompts for the implementation of lung cancer screening in primary care and pulmonary clinics. I encourage you to read our Humanities in Chest Medicine section, where you find an exhalations piece titled A Kind of Faith, and an editorial related to the After Hours series at the CHEST annual meeting titled The Whole Story. Finally, please review our case series publications for the month, which provide novel and educational cases to help improve your clinical skills. I hope you enjoy reading all of the high-quality content available in this month's issue of CHEST. As always, I'm grateful to the authors of this work, the reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these manuscripts into our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the November issue. Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chessjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.